Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott. Hello, and, uh, and John Roy Turner and Ben Roy Turner. <laughs> 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 Roy Turner has slipped in. <laughs> well, like you just, just offed him now. You, you'd think that's that would be ruined. The podcast. <laughs> no, don't. No, I don't let you. Just keep rolling with it. Basically, yeah, What Culture Gaming Podcast thought we would do uh, something based around the games that we've been playing because, uh, you know, right now Cyberpunk is still sort of pulling itself together. The big releases of the year, I think, kind of kick in with Hitman 3 uh, on the 20th. And so until then, we've sort of just been picking apart different things, one of which being Resident Evil 6, Mr. Ben Roy, Royth, Jonathan yes. Brown. Yes. What's your... Raccoon what's... City, bitch. <laughs> Rack. <laughs> Even though it's not... Uh, it, was a, it was a Christmas present. Okay. Okay. Uh, for, for people that are listening, I've got a Raccoon City flag, but it was—it's um, not set in Raccoon City, obviously. Resident Evil Six, but yes, wouldn't have known. But I mean, Resident Evil Six is definitely <laughs> the one that gets tossed to the side the most. But I know—I know Josh Brown loves it. I know that we—I think we didn't—we did a whole video on why it's brilliant, and we're going to do another one uh, yeah. right now. But both <laughs> you guys have lots of things to say about Resident Evil Six, and I never got past the first few levels. So, have at it. It's. I would say it's probably a game that should, it plays so much better on the PS4. I feel in my brain because I was much like you, Scott. I I played uh, back in the day because it came out when I was in uni as well. It's really awkward. Mm. You know, it came out during the first few weeks back at uni. So you know, who's playing video games then? Lol. Uh, but um, yeah, I played the the Leon campaign and that was it. I just sort of binned it because Chris the Chris campaign just made me want to vomit. Like yep. and then eat that. I vomit and then vomit again instead of playing the game and i've beaten it once and really i've looked at i've looked at the trophies and i see i've got resident evil two three four doesn't have one platinum wise five i got it i haven't got six but i've got seven right. so what am i gonna do i'm on the platinum journey again in resident evil six and i'm having a better time than i thought i would even though i didn't enjoy it when i last played it in 2018 is it because it just it plays better like you know it's just smoother or you've relaxed relaxed expectations around it because i i always loved five and that was the bigger pivot into like full-on action obviously four is but then five was kind of more over the top and i always loved five but then six for some reason was just like too much for most people even though it does have like a little following now 
there are some trash sections of Resident Evil 6, <laughs> but I would never defend it for that bit. Like, there's just one when you just you're in a shop and then people are just there for ages, and then you defend the shop, and then the old man upstairs goes, All right, you can come up now and pulls down all these shutters. You're like, why do you just pull down the sh- why am I defending this <laughs> shop? You can you can save this, and then you've got to fight some big giant men, like literally the size of like 17 Joshes, like several times. <laughs> And it just and th- there's a bunch of fat jokes in there at some point through that, and then the Chris one just gets he doesn't punch a boulder, but he might as well destroy a, he destroys a whole European country. The Chris <laughs> stuff is the stuff that was absolutely held up as what the hell is this franchise doing? Yeah. Like it felt like they were chasing Gears of War back when Gears was at the height of its um, popularity and stuff. Josh, what's your when we when we typed out in the Slack thread before we started recording, we're going to talk about Resident Evil Six, and you put love it. What? Why? Why do you love it, man? Because I, I love talking about it. I don't necessarily love the game, although I will be on Ben Roy's side to an extent and defend it, because I do think it's it's obviously not the best Resident Evil. It's obviously not a great game. <laughs> yeah. But when it came out, man, like it got absolutely slagged off, and everyone was giving it like four out of tens, three out of tens. Like It's not that bad. There are parts of it that I think are really redeemable. Yeah, it's a big mess. Yeah, it's bloated. Yes, it's almost everything wrong with the franchise at that point. <laughs> but there is lots to enjoy in there. Like Ben Roy was saying, like Leon's campaign it's daft but I genuinely like it and I think um, Jake Wesker's campaign is again very daft and I quite like it Chris's does fall down because that's when they are trying to do the geese of war third person all out action thing and that never gelled for me back then it never gelled for me when I replayed it but it has like this lingering personality to it that I think about Resident Evil 6 quite often it was not two days ago my dudes that my partner turned to me and said do you want to play Resident Evil 6 co-op and I, would, I had to think about it I had to think yes maybe that's I'll buy it again on Playstation 4 they were the one because no one else uh, exactly, yeah. not even me <laughs> Jesus well the can, can I, I I um I play a bunch of games with uh, one of my mates every like sort of like Wednesday we do it like a gaming evening mm-hmm. we went through all the Halos last year the year before we went through all the Gears of Wars we go through so much stuff on Game Pass and PlayStation and I kept going Resident Evil's on sale Resident Evil's on sale <laughs> Resident I'll PayPal you the four quid for it gone I've bought it's I like, bought it for you it's on your doorstep pick it, it up Resident we Evil went 6. through and he helped me get the Resident Evil Five Platinum he's a hero and I just kept going well you know what's next right you know you, you know like there's nothing nothing's be out for a while. Horde mode is getting a bit dry on gears. You kind of do a few shotgun modes. So finally, he just sent me a screen grab of his receipt for it. I was like, <laughs> I win. But one thing about the Leon campaign uh, that I must say is Leon kind of forgets everything about zombies. Like, there's a one bit where you go into a lift that you find the man and say, I need to find my daughter. And that is the level of the acting in the game, by the way. Perfect. You find her, she's got a bite mark on her neck. This is a man who, <laughs> who survived, should I say, Raccoon City. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, it's fine. I've, I've seen a few zombies. I shot the president, spoilers, who turned into a zombie right in front of me and doesn't do anything. And he goes, oh, when she turns into a zombie. And it's like, what the hell was that? That's, so- but that's that's the more problem I have with it than anything else is mm-hmm. that crap. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do you think the biggest problems with it are in the writing, in the dialogue, in, in the scenarios that they set up? Because the idea of like every major character getting their own campaign, like I, I always like the idea of like Leon stuff is old school Resident Evil or is Resident Evil 4 style. And then you've got yeah. Chris's, which is kind of more like five. And then you've got um, Jake or whatever, kind of doing God Hand style stuff, like melee <laughs> yeah. combat. And I like the idea of the ambition of that, like, tw- you know, sort of threading together. It's only three campaigns, right? Or is there more? There's a secret fourth Ada one right. campaign. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like the idea of that 
is really cool on paper. Like you might as well tick all these boxes of what Resident Evil has become. But do you guys like see the appeal in that versus the reality of how bad some of that stuff is written? There's certainly an appeal to it. Like the fact that you get to play as all these characters and they're all different to an extent, like is interesting. It's what intrigued me at the time and mm. encouraged me to pick it up because Capcom's big push at the time was like, no matter what kind of Resident Evil fan you are, you're going to have something to enjoy here. And they were completely wrong because that's not quite the case at all. Like they were billing Leon's campaign as this survival horror masterpiece. Mm. And it's not, it's just like Resident Evil 5. It's just like slightly toned down from the Chris one, but there's still a lot to enjoy about that. Like the differing styles of play are interesting. The way the stories intersect are interesting. It's just, it's just bogged down with, like Ben Roy said, a lot of weird inconsistencies, a lot of strange developments for the Resident Evil brand. And I think at the time it was particularly badly received because this was supposed to be the future of the franchise mm. and that would not have been a good direction. But in hindsight, as a um, kind of one strange little experiment, like it works, you know what I mean? It works as this kind of like one-off strange anomaly in the entire franchise that you can appreciate now, you know? I like how much they, they pushed it. Like they pushed the action yeah. stuff as much as possible. <clears throat> well, they lied to um, people in previous, because I remember listening to Jeff Gersman back in the day and they only ever showed him and loads of other people like the the Leon campaign. They didn't, mm. they weren't out there really. Like, and then and, and then in the market and they had all the Chris stuff and then people got to play as Chris and like, what the hell is this sort of thing? <laughs> and man, it's the, so long. It's yeah, the, so the Chris long. stuff too. Like it's it was always held up as like, oh, it's zombies with guns. Is that the case? The zombies learn how to fire back, or who, what is it that's shooting back at you in those bits? Yes, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> they're called Juavos. Basically, they're just an evolution of the Maginis from Number Five, and then mm. I. I can't remember the name of the um, the ones in four, but no one really cares there apart from me. Uh, oh, Ganados? Ganados, yes, that was yeah. it. And they're just an evolution of that again, but they don't flinch when you shoot them. Mm. And then they transform into things that can take you down even in two hits on like normal difficulty. So it's just like, ugh. And there are a lot of points in that Chris campaign where you can almost run out of ammo. It's like mm. yeah. they almost want you to punch. Like that game wants you to punch everything when it goes to a knee. Right, right. Well, that was, that, that was the thing that took off in 4 when you realized you could do a suplex. like you wound oh, and, yeah. and that was really cool. And I love all that stuff. I get the argument that it's not like traditional Resident Evil, but I like what that became in 4. Um, I was going to say as, as well, like in 6, uh, I remember from the demo of 6, when you play as Leon, I'm sure um, you can. there's a bunch of different ways that you can fire. Like you can go into the aiming mode when you're on the ground or if you get knocked back, and then you can still shoot back. Feature. That stuff was really cool. And I remember when Metal Gear Solid 4 added that as well. Like, I don't know, like just little parts like that sort of enhance like the general feel of it, but it also takes away from being on the back foot, like having horror as a feel. For me, it works um, almost if you don't imagine it as part of Resident Evil canon, because like mm. the stuff they add to the combat system, like that ability to, you know, throw yourself to the ground, shoot in all these different directions. Like there's a real fluidity to the combat system that works. And I think... Partly, the game is best played in mercenaries mode where you have like a context-free experience and there's no story. You're just literally fighting zombies mm -hmm. because you get to indulge in all of those great mechanics. You get to go wild with the melee system. You get to go wild pulling off these headshots, turning them into suplexes, turning them into drop kicks. And it all, it all to quote Todd Howard, it all just works. Like it clicks in those moments and it's this big, dumb action spectacle. It just, when you try to graft that onto a Resident Evil plot and call it even vaguely survival horror, it does just kind of fall <laughs> apart and becomes this incongruous mess in a way. There are just also, I will say, playing it now, the virus is called the C virus and you go to China to solve it. 
and I'm just like, why am I playing this right now? And it's just like, <laughs> I was just like, that game. I, I, it predicted the future. It's, it's such, I, I won't say, I won't be one of those like, but it was just such a weird thing to play. And like say, it's got the chainsaw person in this again, but mm-hmm. the chainsaw person, its arm is a chain, it's a bio chainsaw. It's the bones are going around like a oh. chainsaw. It's that sort of level of just like, what the hell, man? And then like, there's <laughs> I just... It's just so much about it that I'm just trying to like get out of my chest. Like the Ada One campaign, the secret one that a lot of people didn't know about until mm. it came out. Like you play, everything's co-op, right? So you play as Ada One for the like one of the first times substantially, mm-hmm. and then they don't bother putting anyone in there. You just play as man. But oh. this man might could looks so much like Hunk. They should have just made it Hunk Ferrari too and just right. did more fan service. And then I have to be even more angry because what the hell? I almost I'm trying not to swear. Are Claire and you Jill said bitch doing? before, but carry on. Ah, bitch isn't a swear word. Get out <laughs> of here. Uh, but yeah, Jill and Claire could have easily been inserted into the Chris campaign and made his descent downwards more believable. Right. But no, they just relegated to the side. Jill's just gone in Re- Revelations wherever, and same with Claire. Mm-hmm. And like as we talk about to the combat, the way you can jump around and land on the floor and pull out two pistols, it's weird because it's like they never looked at a Resident Evil game before. But the two animated films that came before this, which you love, they're the third one. That first one is a lot better. <laughs> but it's basically because Leon and Chris are like ninja rolling around each other. They're like basically gun fooing all these zombies. It's basically <laughs> just that. At one point, like Leon rides a motorbike up a giant zombie thing bam 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 like full anime and kicks the bike at them and stuff and then they took that and made it a game i was like oh if you do if if you just tap um like r2 scott like you do this thing called like a quick shot where you'll just pull off these kind of like western style trick shots and it's it's more or less going through it is cool it is cool (laughs) but it doesn't match anything that came before or since is the problem the thing that i think is really interesting with resident evil you look back on that that trajectory after re4 like you had gears was taken off third person cover shooters were taken off and it's almost like someone at capcom was like well we should completely do that because we started it with re4 and we should just do more over the top action stuff and there was like that strand of resident evil like i don't know the, the, as the as an ip like ben Roy, you said the movies like embrace that really over the top yeah. stuff so then they were like well we can kind of it's kind of anime anyway like crazy plot twists and all these over the top like, character returns from the dead and whatever like you've got all these really dumb over the top saturday morning cartoon anime things anyway but they kind of pulled all the way back from that in seven it's, but it's like it's kind of uh, sorry to jump in it's kind hmm. of their end game in the fact that everyone's almost there and it's like a world-ending event and now because at this point in the game it's like raccoon city is still secret it's not like in the alice films where everyone knew about raccoon city and they got out and it killed the world now raccoon city is still secret and like leon is about to expose it and then this other guy who's been in the shadows for years it's like you can't do that and then he then they all destroy china and everywhere else and then like part this fake I don't know why they include China as a country here, but then mm. a fake European country called Adonia. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm right into this saying that that's not a real country. Like, it's just I like. Thought, well, I'm, I'm literally going to Google it right now, but carry on. Because if it is, I'm sorry to. It's like that place. What in, are you um, slagging off the Adonians again? It's, it's, like, in, it's like in. Um, what's that it film with? No, it's not. It, it's not a real place. It's a, it's a fictional place invented for Resident Evil. Uh, it's a small Eastern European country. It's but like it's that um, the fake country they made in one of the Marvel films as well, the Second Avengers. Like, just it's weird how they pick random. Like, they just do that, but then they will represent other countries. It, but there's a point. Sorry, I just remembered <laughs> where you get bitten by a shark, and then this giant shark, which its whole purpose, by the way, if you read the wiki, which I have done, is yes. just to eat 
old biomatter. It's basically just a rubbish keeper, like in bloody Star Wars Episode 4. That little squid thing. But it bites it. It's crabbing you by your leg after you've done swimming. And you're going down this water slide. And Leon's on it trying to shoot it. And Helena's in the mouth going, no, help me. And it's, uh, what the hell is going Some of the points <laughs> just go right off. And I'm just like, wow. I will say, I was just as a little addendum to all any Adonians listening. Um, Adonia is a tran- is a, um, a translation of yeah. Adonis or Edenida. Um, so Adonia is a real place or was an ancient region of Thrace. So just, they- you know, Macedonia. It's, Capcom repurposed it then for this. Yeah, exactly. Trying to imply that it's sort of more action-based things should have happened there. But overall, would either of you, are you recommending people play Resident Evil 6 in 2021? Because I might go pick it up. With a friend, because it's very cheap. And yes. and also, if you play all the campaigns, you've got like 20 plus hours of gameplay there. I mean, some points it can be very sort of like disorientating and like, what's going on anymore? But it, it's a it's a fun romp with friends to be like, how bad this can get sometimes. <laughs> Right. Yeah, honestly, with, the game. with friends, it's a good laugh because when it's good, you're laughing. It's like, oi, this is a really good um, third-person shooter. When right. it's bad, you can both be like, what is going on? What's happening? Why is Leon doing a wheelie on a, on a motorbike? And ha- he's got four hands somehow, four hands and four guns, and he's just Are shooting he? all these. No, but he might as well. <laughs> um, and it's just mad. It's madness. Also, and it's a game that I don't know how, I don't know how it got made. Don't know how it got made. Troy Baker's in it, and I keep forgetting that he's is in he? it. He plays Jake Wesker, and he calls uh, Sherry Babe a lot. I'm like, <laughs> ugh. It's just like, what the... <laughs> It's like a totally different Troy Baker to what we have now. Well, he, it's I so mean, weird. It predates. Right? I feel like, yeah, six came out him, but it predates. Uh, it's before The Last of Us because yes. The Last of Us came out yeah. after. Because 2013 was the year that made him, like Bioshock Infinite yeah. and Last of Us. Um, whereas beforehand, he was stuck doing this and being like snow <laughs> in Final Fantasy 13. Um, we should also move on to other stuff that we've been playing. Resident Evil 6, though, a contentious topic which continues to potentially be positive that we might check back in on. I might pick it up. We could do a thing on it. You never know. I just shouted well. for ages. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you've got many things to say. As the resident Resident Evil expert, you should have many things to say. Anyway, um, we should go on to uh, Visage or Visage or Visage. Not PT, the thing that uh, Josh has been playing, which is kind of sweeping the internet a little bit. It came out at the end of last year uh, on yeah. PC, and now it's on consoles and stuff. And uh, it's sort of routinely been held up as like the scariest game ever. Like it's you're saying it's one of it's literally one of the it's- scariest things you've ever played. Yes, absolutely. Like, it's perhaps the scariest game of the gen. It was on our um, best horror games of 2020 list, and it topped that. Mm-hmm. And for good reason, man. Like, I only knew about this because your friend and mine, Ash Millman, was playing it, and she was talking about it, and it looked like my cup of bovril. So I was like, All right, I'll give this a go. And um, Because, like you said, it's very much indebted to PT. Like, there were so mm-hmm. many PT clones coming out when that thing got cancelled. But this, for me, from the ones at least I've seen and the ones I've played, like, is the best one because while it is very much inspired to the point where the very first thing you do is mimic what you did in PT, waking up in this kind of thing, going Staring through the door, the going down the hallway, yeah, it's one for one, more or less. Like, it isn't just a kind of, you know, homage. It isn't just ripping that off. It has its own ideas. It expands on things that game brought to attention and it just doubled down on them in the creepiest ways possible and i i was um i I was talking to someone on twitter last night and i was saying like the best thing it does is kind of like restraint it's not like Mm -hmm. your layers of fear or your even your outlast even like two franchises i love that i feel like i feel like when you play some horror games you're there saying oh that's scary oh that's quite horrific but you're not actually feeling it you know what i mean with visage i feel it i feel every single 
second of it because it's so subtle in places, but it isn't afraid to go completely wacky and hit you with like this surreal um, house that's constantly changing or hit you with a strange dream sequence or go completely abstract and inject a bit of comedy when you least expect it and surprise you. Like the, it has so many surprises up its sleeve and I love it, man. Like I could talk about it all day. Like I wish, oh, I wish I played it last year. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Some of the stuff that I saw, like, was the um, was a guy walking down like one of the corridors, and like a, a ghost or like a, a being sort of like flashed in front of him, like sort of did like a thing, like a I don't know, like a, appearing out of the ether for like a second. So you sort of got that immediate like right in the face style jump yeah. scare. Um, and I saw another one where um, it was like a, like one of the doors was just slowly opening on like an upstairs level and stuff. And it's like, is it like atmospheric stuff like that that occasionally is like massive spike to sort of give you like a volume spike jump scare? Like, what's this kind of general setup? Is that just there has to be more more plot to it, I guess. 
There is more plot. There's certainly a plot to unveil, but essentially you're exploring this one house and there's a bunch of locked doors. There's a bunch of places that you can't go and you're solving puzzles to get key items to open those doors to get mm. into different parts of the house. But then it changes by supernatural means. But essentially there's this one ghost and there are a few other things that I won't spoil. There's one ghost kind of like haunting you and you've got a sanity meter and you've got this kind of... Well, you've got... I can't remember what the other one is. You've got a sanity meter and you've got something else. So if you stand in the darkness for too long... Like, and if you, if you look at creepy things for too long, like you do in amnesia, the mm. more chances are that this ghost is going to appear, the more chances are that she's going to get you. So you right. need to, you need to find lighters on the floor, for instance, and, you know, use that until it runs out to go through dark places or light candles and put them on candlestick holders to illuminate parts where the bulb goes out or pop some pills if your sanity's gone so you don't get caught by it. But the way it's paced and the way it ramps up the tension is great because you get those subtle moments like someone, um, you know, presses the doorbell and you have to go and investigate and someone stood outside or you just see like um uh the silhouette of someone down the hall like you do in pt and you have to go somewhere right. else but the audio is still great as well playing it with headphones you can again it has that pt thing of you feel like someone's always oh. behind you you can hear someone breathing you can hear someone kind of talking you can hear a children's cry coming from the other room and the fact that you don't know where this person is and the fact that it remains surprising throughout is the biggest strength because for as scary as horror games can get like outlast i absolutely love mm -hmm. sometimes you see the monster so much and you might get to a fail state so many times that it kind of becomes more of a frustration or a nuisance i don't think you get that with visage like every single time i have been killed or whatever it, it hasn't reduced the scare factor of the thing that's killing me or it hasn't been any less surprising. Like, it's it's just great how they use the space as well. Like, I'll stop rambling in a second, but the way they use the house, it makes you scared of certain parts of it. Like, I am terrified to go upstairs in this game because right. that just apparently is where I am the worst at the game and where I see <laughs> you the most and where I'm the most vulnerable. And every single time I get like a... A prompt to go to a certain room up there i just have to i have to stop for five minutes and just get my bearings and think like <laughs> do i have enough lighters do i have enough candles can i make it up there without just, getting a super quick thing frightened. but is there is there combat in it or you just at the mercy of ghost inspectors and everything yeah more or less just at the mercy like there's not really there, there are some kind of like escape um elements where you have to like sort of turn around or whatever but it's not like you're not like sort of hiding from scripted people or whatever mm. it, or you're not fighting certainly like it's very the game itself is very rough and tumble it has a few rough edges in terms of animations and presentation and you can tell that it was like built by a small team but mm. the 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 amount that they achieve is like is it's oh, it's incredible, man. Like I want, I want you to play it, but I realize it's quite steep asking you to pay because it's thirty pounds at the moment. Yeah, yeah, twenty nine bones for this game that's quite unproven, but ah, love it, love it, boys. Great. <laughs> ben, Great. have you heard of this thing? Are you uh, I, going into it? I heard of it when um, I, I think I recommended Josh's film the other day, and then he's like, "But then you need to play this game." And I was like, "Oh, what's this game?" And it was kind of like one of those where this does sound like everything I want. Yeah. <laughs> and, but why why did why have i not heard about it Same. until this moment in time and mm -hmm. it's weird like everything josh has said that he sold me on and i feel like i'm gonna play it co-op with um with someone else and just like so we can we you know can enjoy it together sort of like mm -hmm. the way i i've done like i think i did i've mentioned before like resident evil 7 i did that like that and just made enhanced experience i've done amnesia like that so uh, I, I I really want to get into this, but yeah, the third, like, even if it's thirty bones, like right now, I've got Resident Evil Six to play, and then hit, <laughs> I know I want to get that platinum and God yes. of War platinum before uh, Hitman Three comes out, like mm -hmm. in a week or so. So 
it's definitely now on the list of things I'm going to play, and I've got my eye on it. Thanks to Josh and this episode sponsored by Ash Millman, who. Found <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks very much to WhatCulture.com. I like the idea of picking this thing up. Maybe we might we might do like a um, updated horror podcast because we haven't done a horror specific gaming pod in a little while, and we can sort of recommend other things like this. Because obviously, Phasmophobia did the rounds at the end of last year. Obviously, way more fun party based thing, but also had some great scares in it. Um, I want to end on Hitman Two because because Hitman Three is out soon. I've just been going back to Hitman Two. Um, and I dropped off that back in uh, 2018 or whatever the year was that it came out because I just, I went back and I played a bunch of Hitman 1 because I was excited for 2 and then I went straight into 2 and I just kind of burned out on it. I played way too much of it, which you would hilariously say is what I'm redoing now because 3 is about to come out. <laughs> but um, having played 2, I want to uh, broach this potential thing. Benway, did you watch the cutscenes in Hitman 2? Before yes. I say why, because I love the story in two, and it's just got to a certain spot where like they're starting to explain what's going on with Lucas Gray and Lucas Gray's connection to Forty Seven, and as like a lifelong Hitman fan, that's a big deal. Like that's that's just really really cool. Talking to Mister JB Josh Brown this morning though, he he's busting out that he skipped all the cutscenes, that he's not he's not bothered about it, and that wounds oh. me. It, exactly, that's the reaction that I <laughs> well, had. I wanted to see if you were because I was going to ask, did you play the campaign or did you play mission by mission? Because uh, Josh went mission by mission. As a man who has done a video on this very channel called Agent uh, 47 of the Dark Past of Hitman Explained, or in some argumentation, I love the Hitman lore, and I love Hitman, the franchise. I love the Hitman, Agent 47. You love hitting men. It's yeah. And, every type. and that was one of my big cries. Even though I would say right now Hitman 2 is the best Hitman game ever made, because mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. just involves the last one. It's just, I mean, come on, we all know it plays better than Blood Money. It's just all get yeah, over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There are some people out there that just defend it forever for some reason but like <laughs> it, like i was upset those cutscenes weren't full-on cutscenes and i think a lot of people were because if you play the dlc they revert back to cutscenes right. so the dlc stuff actually has rather than like a motion what do you call it a motion graphics it's kind of like it's like a digital comic they sort of just do yeah. like stills that are slightly animated like peace like, walker kind of thing. josh do you know anything about agent 47 at all well, yeah, well, this is the thing. This is I, there wasn't me attacking of, you, so I, just, well, I was just wondering. Hey. Yeah, like, this is kind of why, I guess, it's so contentious that I don't really gel with the story. It's only because you're missing I, out. It's only just because it's so good. <laughs> and when you told me you hadn't seen it, I was I thought when I said the thing that I just got, I thought you were going to go, man, I've been waiting two years for you to see that. And then you went, skip the mate, not bothered. Like, oh, you've wow. missed well, it. Uh, let, let me clarify and defend myself. You know, the prosecution has rested. I'm going to get up on the defense. Um, like when it comes to like Agent 47 and the law of Hitman, like I'm brushed up on it because I used to be like a huge Hitman fan. I did come in quite late with Blood Money, but um, loved Blood Money, even loved Absolution. Um, didn't get around to Hitman 1 until very late and then jumped into Hitman 2 and went back to play them both. But when like the setup of Hitman 2, to me, even though I watched like the prologue, watched the initial cutscenes stuff, just the setup of the game feels so artificial that I can't get into the story that even though I watched the thing that sets everything up because I was playing through the levels over and over again, rather than moving on linearly, like I just forgot things. I forgot the context and I was playing it more as like a sandbox, like a, like a play box of toys where Hitman 47, I got him out in his little Lego and there were a few contracts <laughs> over here. Yeah. I was just messing about in the sandbox or, or replaying it, trying to get every single assassination and then eventually moving on like a week later and I had forgotten everything. So I was like, what? I have no investment in this story. It's just, it's strange because I never skip, I never skip cutscenes, but here mm. I was like skipping over those in-betweens just to get to the next mission or even swapping around the missions so I would miss it. And then I would go back to it and obviously know what happens and stuff, but it faded from my memory as 
quickly as I watch them. You know what I mean? I think I, I said to you before when we were talking about this before recording, but like of all the games that you could do this with, I think Hitman is the most forgiving in that respect. Like you can completely get 90% of the most out of Hitman 2 by just going mission to mission, enjoying yeah. the mechanics and taking people out and exploring the different ways you can kill dudes. It's just that I just love what they did. And it's like, it's not that it's anything incredibly unique, but I think it's well done. And I, I care. I think adding an extra dimension of like uh, plot drive to each one of those contracts, like I care about those people I'm taking out because I want to get like some revenge or I want to, you know, take this particular person out or I want to find this information that's hidden in a level to like, you know, get to the next level and stuff. And it's not that the, it's not that the narrative branches, but I just love that they added that. Like I, I didn't realize that I wanted it until I, until they did it. And I was like, oh man, like having a narrative backbone to all these kills is actually really really cool and i hope they carry yeah. that through in three what they've I done sorry no, better i was now it's all gone out of my mind <laughs> sabotage uh, yeah do you see you're up next <laughs> what i was gonna say was i've forgotten my point as well now what i was gonna say was i think it's kind of goes down to like the way i played it like i said like i could never have that emotional drive or investment to want to off these dudes because i almost had like no canon version of their demise like by the time i killed them for the 12th time mm. the emotional edge had kind of dulled and i was doing it for the sake of it not doing it because i had this drive of oh those are bad dudes i need to take them out in a specific way like uh, I didn't have that kind of like food line between things. And I think that might be because I didn't play the campaign version because when I bought it, it was years after the fact where they'd added a bunch of content and the thing that they'd throw me into was just the level select screen. So I was just right. like, oh, I guess I just jump in here after the prologue and just try my luck. It is weird and... that the campaign is like, you've got a button across to get to it and it does sort of yeah. land yeah. you on the homepage. Yeah, it is, it is a little bit hidden. So I remembered what I was going to say now. Go well, they've it. done with those cutscenes and the gameplay. Well, the cutscenes, major. I think this is what has sold uh, like MGM to give them the Bond license. Like this is sort mm. of like spy thriller that they can sort of tell through drips and drabs and then have like a nice little cutscene more so at the end. And like, I think like... Like we said, it people have said it one off rage, like, ah, oh, they could do a Bond game IO, and then they've actually got it because I think they've got it because of these two new Hitman games yeah. have sold people on this sort of fact. And even from it's just nice to see that, even though it's like a reboot, it's not because it still continues from those old games. So, so going back through, like, you, you won't want to play some of those old games again because they're they 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 they've aged poorly, but like, I don't go through and like keeping that sort of lineage. I love, I love a game or a franchise that keeps stuff going in somewhere yeah. or makes it work because like even absolution was and also i was thinking i think absolution came out the same year as resident evil 6 so maybe josh <laughs> just had a moment at that point it's like i'm liking all these games. Like, oh. uh, the games the year when some of my franchises almost died and never came back just bringing them back to life just jolt them enough you can keep them going <laughs> i think absolution always looked gorgeous but i didn't like a lot of the levels in it yeah. and like the sort of I, I like what they attempted to do with that but i think they do it better by just sort of putting it in the background like having the story-based stuff in the background and arguably it's proven that it is optional because josh still loves hitman 2 but didn't follow the story stuff and it's you know it's on you whether or not you want to do that or not they just they just saved it they saved a character which is the most milk like boiler player there it's just like matt bald man one right like if you go into <laughs> yeah. a character creator and they and they've had the same voice actor for 20 years and mm -hmm. the hitman franchise is 20 years old for god's oh my god how old are we and i, I love how they just sort of kept that going and they've injected more comedy into it throughout the thing and like you've always kind of been killing bad people you've never really been killing innocent people for mm. no unless you just go onto the streets and you're a madman but like there's always been they, they managed to successfully like update it and like and keep everyone on board almost and bring new people in which i'm just so fascinated with and i'm so happy that we have these soon to be three new games that are just 
pretty much on point and the best the, the franchises have been. Mm-hmm. Josh, what's your closing thoughts? Well, I do want to clarify that just because I didn't engage with the story, I'm not saying what they did with it is bad or anything like that. Far from it. I'm just sort of, I think it's interesting that you guys just fell so in love with it. But for me, I just like, it was not on my radar at all, well, that story perspective. But I can be t- completely like side though like with your thing because i started in 2018 when it came out i did the first three missions and then i just i just dropped off it something else came out i wasn't hooked it's not until you do the mumbai mission and just after that that you get the big lore drop Mm. and that's when it's like oh you just did something that's really cool and that's when it changes ah see that's uh, i don't know man maybe i need to go back and properly look at those cutscenes. but while i didn't really engage with the law i do agree with what ben roy said about agent 47 as a character like i love the stuff that they do with him in the missions like they make him this like banter hound who suddenly can like crack wise about the people he's murdering and when he's donning a disguise and he's having a lot of fun with it like that was a version of that character i'd never seen before and i appreciated those little touches so much like those mm-hmm. little elements kept me invested in the world in a way that those kind of weird cutscenes, exposition dumps just sort of didn't so it's 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 just i think it's just fascinating that we all think this is a great game but we all came at it from kind of slightly different perspectives and we all engaged with a part of the story uh, that is slightly different i'll be all going in a different and way. it keeps stealth alive like this the yeah, one thing not. that that isn't a giant four thousand hour open world that has stealth in it and like it's like legit a stealth game mm-hmm. if you want it to be it's interesting because um we are going to like sort of close this down and stuff but it's interesting because it's like the way that doom eternal the way the doom slayer is written like all that stuff is in the background yeah. it's all in the in the lore details it's all in text entries you get minuscule cutscenes. um you know and the whole ethos of, of 2016 doom was just doom slayer punching stuff out of his way when someone tried to talk to him or like some sort of you know screen with some information on you know you can sort of have all this writing that's sort of it's like writing in like negative space it's just there if you <laughs> want to find it but it's not so- up front Again, Hitman was tw- the first Hitman was 2016, and that's when they changed. Hitman kind of died in 2012 with Resident Evil 6 and was reborn with Doom 2016. <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird the trajectory of it. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you two are saying. And in both cases, they're now Doom and Hitman are both going stronger than ever because they've managed to nail down their protagonists as they, this blend of like yeah. memory and like, you know, uh, something more law based as well. 100%. Beautiful. Well, yes, you can uh, find us on social media. Let us know what you think of the likes of Hitman, Visage, 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 and Resident Evil 6. Um, because for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ben Roy Turner. Raccoon City, bitch. <laughs> they can't hear you in silence from Ben Roy Turner. And Mr. Josh Brown. Goodbye. See you later, John Roy. I'll uh, talk to you what? soon. <laughs> John Roy. Catch you next time. Thank you very much, and bye. Bye. See Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.